Get ready, we're turning it up. Get ready, get ready, we're turning it up. That's right, you know what time it is. It's another episode here on the Pigskin Chance Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at pigskin underscore jgonzo. Sitting across the table for me is none other than my best friend, Derek Bordeaux. You can find him on Twitter at pigskin underscore drock. Derek, how we doing tonight, man? Doing great. Doing great. Not Can't say the same for my legs. Um... Mentally, been, mentally, we're here. I'm mentally here, yeah. Yeah, uh, new house has three stories. My kids are on the third floor. Terrible decision on my part, but you know, hey, we we adjust and uh, getting some leg workouts in, man. Maybe me and uh, Saquon can. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you gonna name your thighs here in a little bit or yeah. your quads? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. All right, man. Well, on today's show, we are going to introduce the very first champs blacklist for 2021. In this episode, we are going to break down our bust and our fade for the 2021 fantasy football season. If you make the chance blacklist, you are a player that we want no part of, man. Absolutely, man. We will categorize players into two buckets. Okay, so a bust for us is a top five round player in ADP that will bust in 2021. So we're taking guys that are drafted really high, saying that they're not going to perform at that level. Okay, a fade is a player outside the top 60 overall players, which is outside the fifth round, that we are fading at their current ADP, not necessarily a player we're avoiding at all costs, but a guy that at that current spot, I want no part of. Yeah, man. Yeah. Seemed pretty straightforward. The value's there. We're willing to take it, but at the current value that we see guys going, we're we're either going to call them busts or fades, man. Yep. We're going we're gonna to label them up now. So I just want to remind you guys to please follow the show on Twitter at Pigskin Champs and on Facebook at Pigskin Champs Pod. Let's get into it, man. Blacklist. A list I've been cultivating for over 20 years. Let's call it the Blacklist. That sounds exciting. Sick. That's exciting. All right, man. It's very exciting. 2021 pigskin champs blacklist let's get into it man justin who is the first guy that you are labeling either a bust or a fade who are you not touching in 2021 all right man so the first guy that i had to go with i even had to get a black permanent marker to write all of his information down because i really don't want any part of this guy i think that the quarterback that he is now uh, uh, you know, with in on this team, he's got a little bit of a rushing ability, brings in a little bit more rushing floor. Uh, the backfield is very, very crowded. Uh, they just drafted somebody in this year's draft as well. Not a high draft pick, but they still brought in another piece and brought in somebody off waivers. It's none other than Miles Sanders. All right. I want zero part of Miles Sanders this year. I don't think he's going to live up to his current ECR ranking of RB19. All right. He's currently going at an ADP of 30, which is middle of the third round. All right. If I'm investing a guy in the middle of the third round, I don't want a guy who has a bunch of question marks like he did last year. And there's even more this year. 
Last year, you had a Carson Wentz who wasn't as mobile as Jalen Hurts is going to be. Okay, and he had, what, a couple breakout games? There was a couple games where he just busted off a 70-yard TD and got you a, a lot of points. You know, his consistency wasn't there. You you know, you were up, you were down. You, you know, you were very happy or very disappointed. To me, Miles Sanders was kind of like the Tyler Lockett of the RB group. You know what I'm saying? Like, but without the, you know, Superman bu- yeah, exactly. uh, explosion games, exactly. right? Like, he... Yeah, he's very inconsistent. Very, very inconsistent. And now you have a backfield, dude, of Kenneth Gainwell, Carrion Johnson, Boston Scott still there. They still utilize that, you know, him. And you have Jalen Hurts stealing rushes. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't think that Miles Sanders is going to be an RB2 this year. I think he's going to either be an RB, I think he's going to be an RB3 or worse. I, I don't I don't think he's gonna be anywhere in the top twenty four. I I just don't see it. I don't see it. And I think that Kenneth Gainwell is they brought him in for a certain reason because I think he probably will fit towards Jalen Hurts style play or the style of play in the in the NFL, what it's growing to now. You know, that style of, of player. So I, I mean, do you have any other input on, on Miles Sanders? Because I that I just don't he leaves a bad taste in my mouth, man. Yeah, I mean, right now in ECR, half PPR scoring, he's going around guys like Chris Carson, David Montgomery, uh, Kareem Hunt, Mike Davis are going behind him, which I think I'd rather have both of those guys over Miles Sanders. I think they both present a better weekly floor than uh, than Miles Sanders does. Now, listen, last year I really I bought in to Miles Sanders, especially in Dynasty. I bought into him. And right now I'm sitting here with buyer's remorse. I'm kind of regretting the decision because I thought he would be a, he would take that next step, right? And he just didn't, he just didn't do that. Now, is that mostly the offense? Is that Carson Wentz? Is that, it could be a, it could be a bunch of different things, but Miles Sanders was hurt. He's inconsistent. He's just not the guy that we thought he was going to be. And it's very unfortunate. He's being drafted in the top 24, which is, kind of crazy to me because he's just not shown it he hasn't shown that he can do that stuff he hasn't shown that he can be that player so no i completely agree i'm i'm also fading uh miles sanders yeah absolutely man i mean there's a guy that's he's currently going at like 305 right now in drafts there's a guy at 304 who's a rookie in Najee harris that i would much rather take over Miles Sanders, a guy Absolutely. that's a true workhorse. You got a guy even in David Montgomery who's going a whole round behind him. I think I might have David Montgomery who has a safe floor. It's not as crowded as a backfield, you know, and you kind of know his role. He's going to go back to that safe role that, you know, he was a safe RB2. Yeah. He was not this guy that was going to win you a week or, you know, you know, or kill your week. He was just going to give you that 10 to 15 points a week and he was going to be safe for you you know i much rather have those kind of guys i really don't like miles sanders that's all i got to say about it man let's get into your first uh black list all right so this one might be a little bit of a hot take i think i might spicy i might catch some heat for it my first member of the champs blacklist for 2021 is jonathan taylor Ooh, jonathan taylor ecr rb7 Going sixth overall in ADP. Listen, the, you know, you're going to hear me talk a lot about his receiving work, right? 
So the first thing, we'll start off first with the rushing work, right? At first, when I first sat down to, to create this argument, I was like, man, I'm scared of Marlon Mack. I'm scared of all these other guys coming in to rush the ball. Marlon Mack's coming off an Achilles, right? Players, running backs just don't come back for that from that injury. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to bust, okay? Because I feel like his rushing work is going to be enough to put him in the top 12. But I don't think, I mean, he's being drafted as a top six running back. For me, I feel like he's going to fall more to that back-end RB, RB1, maybe even a high-end RB2, if the other running back that's on his team steals more of that target share. So for me, Jonathan Taylor, last season, 50.3% snap share, which was 28th in the NFL. And that's with Marlon Mack missing the majority of the season. That's not a good snap share for a, a running back you take in the top six picks. Naheem Hines is still on the roster. Last year, he had a 14.4% target share. And Jonathan Taylor only had an 8.3% target share in that offense. When the Colts were in the shotgun, Naeem Hines, his carry rate in the shotgun, 78%. Jonathan Taylor's carry rate is 47%. So you can see, Jonathan Taylor wasn't the third down back. He doesn't get third down duties. That's not his role. So he is the guy that's relegated to first and second down, you know, under center carries, stuff like that. Naeem Hines is coming in to get the passing down work. That's just how it is, and that's how it's going to be next year, too. They have the same play caller, same head coach. The only difference is they have a new quarterback. Now, Carson Wentz, you know, the the numbers show that Carson Wentz prefers his tight ends over his running backs in the passing game. Okay, in 2017, which was Carson Wentz's MVP season, or his, I say air quote, MVP season because he got hurt, he, the running back on that team with the most targets was Wendell Smallwood. He had 18 targets on the, on the season. Three tight ends finished higher than that in target share. So the third string tight end had more targets than the number one running back as far as targets go. Now, his running back was LeGarrette Blunt. Okay, so yeah. it's not Jonathan Taylor, right? So it's it's a little bit different, but... Just going off of pure numbers and, and, and tendencies for Carson Wentz in his best season, where he was, you know, an MVP candidate and he was he had the full offense and he was doing he was doing great. He doesn't target the running backs. He prefers his tight ends over his running backs. Now, the only two running backs in the top twelve in twenty twenty with similar target totals to Jonathan Taylor. Okay, so the the, the two running backs are Derrick Henry had thirty one targets and Nick Chubb had eighteen targets. Nick Chubb was a back-end RB1, and obviously Derrick Henry was a top-end RB1. I don't see Jonathan Taylor rushing for 2,000 yards plus. No, I don't think not, anybody yeah, can say that. So offense. That's the reason why Derrick Henry was so high and with that low target share because he ran the ball for so many yards and had all those touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor's not getting over that, that threshold, man. And I don't think he's not going to do it. Not with Carson Wentz. They're not going to run the commit to the run like the Tennessee Titans do. I think the offense is definitely going to throw a lot more than Tennessee. Then you start. Then you, then you look at Nick Chubb. You know he's the, he's another guy who gets the majority of his work is is on the, is on the ground, right? The other running backs, or they don't really throw to their running backs either. The, the Cleveland Browns do. So if you compare the two guys, I think Jonathan Taylor the his the more likely outcome is that he's more like Nick Chubb than he is Derrick Henry. 
And I think that that's a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. Now, I still think that that number, 40 targets for Jonathan Taylor last season, I still think it can it can come down just because of the fact that the overall running back target share should come down anyway because of Carson Wentz's tendencies as a passer. He's a guy that's going to push the ball down the field. He's going to utilize the tight ends over the middle of the field. I don't think they're going to be passing the running backs all that much to begin with. And then when you put in, if you put in the 14.4% target share from Naeem Hines, the pie is smaller for running back receptions. So if you keep the same target share, Jonathan Taylor's receiving work is going to go way down. And I don't think you can be a top six running back with the kind of target share unless you're rushing for 2,000 yards like Derrick Henry. Uh, that's why that's why I'm fading him. I'm not saying he's going to bust because he's an electric runner, absolute electric runner, and he has a great offensive line. The offense is good. They're going to be in scoring position a lot. I will throw this in here too. A lot of his production at the end of the season came against lesser run defenses, and he scored a ton of touchdowns at the end of the year. The last game of the season, he had 30 carries, over 200 yards. He had multiple touchdowns in the last like five or six weeks. I just a lot of his production came against bad defenses. Now, he does get a favorable schedule for running backs, but I just think the overall receiving work is going to eat into his his production. I don't think he's going to finish in the top six. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I actually kind of agree with you on that. I, I don't see him as a top six candidate. If I'm drafting a guy to with you know a ceiling of top six, I, I don't see Jonathan Taylor being that. I do I do believe he'll be a bottom, like you said, bottom hat or bottom end RB one, maybe a high end RB two. I you know I think that you're you lost the quarterback that helped him in fantasy. Yes, you know uh, Philip Rivers was that check down guy. Carson Wentz is going to air it out. He's got some new weapons. He's got some pretty young talent, man. He's got some good guys. He's got a little bit of a veteran in T. Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell's coming back. You still got Moali Cox in there. I know you got uh Jack Doyle. You know, you got Naheem Hines, you got Jordan Wilkins, you got a lot of people on this team. So I, I 100% agree with you. I think he's a very good running back. I don't think he's got that top six ceiling, especially if they're going to give touches to Marlon Mack as well. Now, if they can... If if there's an injury to Naeem Hines, I'll be completely wrong. Jonathan Taylor will probably be a top six player. But we don't bank on injuries. If Naeem, Naeem Hines played 16 games last year, if he does the same thing this year, I just, again, I just don't think that the target share for Jonathan Taylor is going to go up. I think that, you know, he had a great season last year. It's just it's just hard for me to believe that the, he's going to, you know, put up that that top six season. And in the first round, you know, I don't want to pick a guy that might not finish in the top six. Yeah. Like so any definitely player, I more pick, of a fade. Right. 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 Like I'm, again, I'm not saying he's going to bust, but I'm saying that he is a fade for me. I would rather take other guys in the first round. I would rather take Zeke because I know he's going to get both rushing and receiving work. I would rather have, honestly, I'd rather have Nick Chubb. I just think he's, you know, he's, you know, when you put the, those two players together, I think Nick Chubb's the better runner, but I mean, that's just, just an you know, I would rather take Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler. But I think that's where the list ends. At that point, it would be end of the first round, beginning of the second round, which is where I think he finishes anyway. Okay, cool. All right, Justin, who's your next guy? All right, dude. I'm going to go into the tight end landscape a little bit. 
This guy, I mean, he has a lot of promising attributes. He's very athletic. He, you know, he just, he's got a lot of positive things except the quarterback play on his team. This, the, the team is just not that good. I don't think it's going to be, uh, that great, which is crazy to me because the playmakers that they have on this team is to me like, very, very like it's top notch skill set on this team. Noah Fant. Okay. I'm going to talk about Noah Fant for a little bit because to me, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, I don't see Noah Fant finishing higher than what he just finished. He finishes as the tight end 12. Okay. The dude missed like I think three games or one or let me see real quick. Oh, actually, no, he played 15 games. Okay. Played 15 games last uh, last year, had 93 targets, 62 receptions, 673 yards with three TDs. This team is not primed to be in a lot of um, a lot of scoring opportunities. Uh, and if they do, I think they have a lot of different options that they're going to before they go to Noah Fant. All right, uh, their best player last year would. Under with Drew Lock under center was Tim Patrick at wide receiver forty four. All right, uh, Noah Fant finished at uh, wide or tight end twelve, but it's the tight end landscape is so bad right now that tight end twelve to what what did we do? We saw the other day, Derek is like tight end twelve to tight end twenty is only a couple point difference. Yeah, like it's nothing crazy, you know, and it's nothing like the RB 12 to the RB 20 or the wide receiver 12 to the wide receiver 20. It's not, it's the, you're, you're just keeping a couple points here or there. Like it's nothing big for me. You have guys like Cortland Sutton coming back. You have uh, Jerry Judy, who we believe is going to take a step forward in 2021, mm-hmm. his sophomore season, you still have KJ Hamler, who's got some speed. I think they're going to find some ways to utilize them. You still have Tim Patrick, who was their best wide receiver last year. You know, I know Cortland Sutton went down with ACL, but you know, so you still have all those guys. You also have Melvin Gordon. You just brought in Javante Williams. Like, I don't think that Noah Fan is even the. He might be the fourth option. He's not even the third option in this. And I, I just don't want any part of that. I don't think he's going to help you win. I don't even think he's going to be a streamer. I mean, to me, I think he's going to be a total bust. Uh, I think he finishes outside the top 12. I I just don't like what he's tied to, even if it's Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. I Teddy Bridgewater didn't even utilize his tight end in Carolina. I know you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey, but he had Mike Davis and he, Mike Davis didn't catch him, but you know, he's not the Christian McCaffrey's not out there catching passes and he used Curtis Samuel. He used DJ Moore. He used Robbie Anderson. He's not out there throwing to Ian Thomas. I know Ian Thomas is nothing like Noah Fant. I know, no, Noah Fant is a lot higher athletics or athleticism. Uh, but to me, I just don't see this team with this defense as well being primed to like fight for points. Like they have to fight for points and stuff like that. I just, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. You know, I listen, I, I don't, I don't really like no fan that much either, 
but I can't agree with you when you say he's going to be a complete bust. Now, I agree that you can you'd fade him, and and for me, when I when I'm saying I'm going to fade a tight end, it's it's more of the idea that if I don't get a top three guy, I'm waiting until the end of the draft, and I'm not going to get no fan at the end of the draft. Now I'd take him there if he was there, but my whole approach to tight end is if I don't get Kelsey Kittle Waller, I'm waiting until the end of the draft where I can get guys like Troutman, uh, Blake Jarwin, you know, guys like that, where they're just like way later, like he said, you know, the tight end 12 through, you know, probably 30. And honestly, you could probably expand that stat to, you know, maybe the tight end six or seven through tight end 20. You know, they're only separated by, you know, a touchdown or a couple extra catches or something like that. So for me, you know, Fant is a, he's a, he's a solid tight end. But I agree with you that the overall production of the offense, like the, the he's probably going to be the fourth target in that offense. I could agree with that. Behind Judy, behind Cortland Sutton, I think KJ Hamler is probably going to emerge as that slot guy, or even a guy that they can put on the outside as a burner and put Judy in the slot. If that happens, you got three solid pass catchers on the outside and two running backs that can catch the ball. It's just very hard for me to see Noah Fant being a consistent producer for fantasy for fantasy managers now you can probably i think you could stream him in the right matchup depend and then also depending on you know if the offense is at full strength if they've got somebody hurt or maybe you know they have a guy who's got covid or you know something like that where yeah where maybe he's now in line to be the third option and you know i know you think and i know you said it could be either drew lock or teddy bridgewater i'm the firm belief that it's going to be teddy bridgewater out of the gate and i don't think drew lock starts unless there's an injury. Teddy Bridgewater did support three top 25 pass catchers last year. Now you can argue that those were wide receivers and not a tight end. I will agree that that's, that's, that's a solid argument, but they also didn't, like you said, they didn't, they had Ian Thomas. They yes. weren't throwing, they Noah Fant wasn't in that offense. No, hundred percent. So there's no telling if Noah Fant was in that offense. Was he, could he have been the number two or number three target in that offense? Could he have, gotten more targets than Curtis Samuel? Probably not. Or even Robbie, you know, could he have been in the mix a little bit more? We'll find out this year, you know, how that target share breaks down. If it's going to be Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Fant, or or Fant will be in that top three. And if he's in that top three, like we said with the point differential in the tight end position, I think he could be solid. I'm just fading him because of the fact that I typically fade players or tight ends in the middle rounds anyway. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, the only thing I will say, though, is uh, Noah Fant does have the fourth easiest schedule when it comes to tight ends. So I think that he does have a chance to shine. I just I just don't feel comfortable taking him, especially him going currently in, like, the ninth round. I'd rather wait a couple rounds later, maybe take my chance on an Irv Smith or a Janu or a Tyler Higby, something like that. I'm going to completely fade uh, Noah Fant. That's why he's on my uh, blacklist. So, Derek, what is your second player that we are about to put on this blacklist, man? All right, man. Uh, I'm going to go with a rookie, a guy that uh, was drafted in the first round this year. Don't worry. It's not Najee Harris. Okay, calm down. (laughs) Um, Draft Najee Harris everywhere. I'm going to throw Travis Etienne on this list. Uh, I'm fading Travis Etienne. Now, I'm not saying he's going to bust because – my main argument for the for fading him is 
you don't know what's going to happen. You don't, nobody knows what this offense is going to look like. They got Tim Tebow. They got all these, other, there's a bunch of craziness going on in Jacksonville right now. They've got, they've got, I just don't, you don't know. You have no idea what's going to happen in this offense. He's currently ranked higher than his teammate, James Robinson, who was the RB7 last year and who received a hundred percent of the rushing touchdowns last year. You know, he received over 95% of the running back opportunities. I don't think a Travis Etienne is going to come in and steal that work away. Like I feel like James Robinson earned himself at least a timeshare with the, the first round pick that they took this year. Reports out of camp say that Etienne is focusing on his receiving game. You know, they said Urban Meyer said that he knows what he has in Etienne as a rusher. They want him to work on his receiving game. Now I get it. A lot of people are going to say, "Hey, he's going to take the Percy Harvin role, which is, which was super valuable." Uh, you know, you look kind of look back at Florida's, you know, produ- Percy Harvin's production at Florida when he was with Urban Meyer, and he was used. You know, he had a you know, a solid uh, career there. You know, in that role, running and catching the ball as well. I don't think ETN is going to be used in that same way, but that's what a lot of people will, a lot of people will tell you that ETN is going to be used as a gadget or slash player. You know, I've seen that term kind of thrown around. That's not good for fantasy. There's no consistency in that. It's just a bunch of smoke that is going to lead to you having less than five points a couple times during the season from a player like Travis Etienne. And from where you're going to take him, he's currently at ECR running back 27, going 74th overall. Now, it's not exactly a high-round pick. It's not, it's not like Najee Harris where you're going to take him in the first two or three rounds. But still, Travis, I'd rather take other players in that range than Travis Etienne. Yeah, like guys like his teammate, James Robinson, is sitting at running back 29. Javante Williams could take the job in Denver, sitting at RB30. Ronald Jones is going to get more of a running back, a rush share than he will. Damian Harris, you know, I'd, I'd look at guys like James Conner. You know, all these guys are going to get those big, bigger workloads than Travis Etienne. Now, is Travis Etienne better than some of those running backs? Yes, I I do say that, but situation does matter in fantasy as well. James Robinson carried a large workload last year. Even though the Jags ranked dead last in rush attempts in 2020, he still finishes an RB7 with, with that workload. I don't think that James Robinson did anything wrong to give up that workload. You know, even though he was an undrafted free agent last year, there's no, they don't, you know, the new coaching staff doesn't owe anything to James Robinson. But you can't deny the production he had last year, and you can't just say, hey, we drafted your replacement. You're not going to see the field now. Like he, he finished as the RB7. So I think the, the biggest thing for this is ETN will have to do the majority of his fantasy points through the air because I don't think that he's going to get enough work on the ground to be a viable fantasy option for you in 2021. He's going to have to do it in the receiving game. You got guys like LaVisca Chenault that's probably going to play in the slot. You got DJ Chark. You got Marvin Jones. You've got Tim Tebow. I can't, even, <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face, but you know what I'm saying. They have weapons on that team, and yes, ETN will be used. He will be, you know, he's going to have some splash plays, and he's going to be good at some point for fantasy. I just don't know if he's going to be a consistent weekly option for you. And that's why I'm fading him. I'm just not going to take him really anywhere. Even, you know, around those guys, I want other running backs. I want other guys, you know. Mike Davis is going one pick ahead of him. Kareem Hunt's going two picks ahead of him. 
I'd rather have those guys. I'd rather have uh, Melvin Gordon, James Robinson, Raheem Moser if he can stay healthy. You know, the guys that are going in this range. I think could outperform him and be consistent plays each week. That's why I'm fading Travis Etienne. Okay. Um, yeah, man, I I agree with you on the fact that he is currently going in the fourth round. You know, he's going to be a safe RB3, but are you really getting your third RB in the fourth round? You know, it, it you know there, it's a question mark. Like, yes, you could very well do that, but are you going to – are you going to go ahead and get – a Travis Etienne when you can get an Amari Cooper, a Terry McLaurin, he, uh, you know, a Mike Evans, a, you know, Robert Woods is going after him. All You know, there's a lot of valuable fantasy options that are there around that time that are like, that could be wide receiver ones instead of an RB3. You right. know, the, the value that's there on where he's going is why I would fade him as well. And even you know? even if you look at the quarterbacks that are right there, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, going in the same round as Travis Etienne. Exactly. Those guys are two players in one. Those guys are running backs and quarterbacks. Yep. You know, both of them had double digit rushing touchdowns. Like, like I'd rather have, I'd rather take my shot on one of those guys for my roster. Like if I started with, you know, let's say it's a fifth round, right? Travis Etienne sitting right there, top of the fifth round, right? Let's say he slipped a little bit. I would much rather take my first quarterback to pair with, you know, whatever combination it is, two running backs, two receivers, or a running back, three wideouts, maybe a tight end sprinkling. I'd rather take the quarterback that's two players in one than take a shot on a guy who's going to be in a timeshare and has to rely heavily on the receiving work to be fantasy relevant. And a brand new offense that we don't know about. Exactly. A rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach. His very first yes. time in the NFL, you know. So, I do agree with you. I, I am fading him. It, you know, I think he can be a very viable option, but not at the current ADP and not the current price that you're going to have to pay. Right. You know, I, I just don't – I'm just not comfortable He's going to need to steal some rushing work from James Robinson for me to feel better about – like, I, if training camp comes along and he's the lead back, it changes things a little bit. But as of right now, my belief is that James Robinson is still going to be relevant in this backfield, and I don't want to take a guy in the third round who's going to be fighting for carries, you know? Yeah, 100%. All right, man. We got two more players, Justin. Two more. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what your argument for this next guy is. So lay it on me, man. Who's your third fade or bust for 2021? All right, man. So... I don't think that this guy is going to completely bust, but I am definitely fading him very, very hard. Uh, I, you know, he's going around guys that I just have more of a known production. They have more volume than I, than what this guy is going to, uh, what this guy see is projected for, you know, uh, Kenny Galladay, just signed a, a very nice deal with <laughs> oh, he got that money, with uh, the New York Tell Giants for sure. He uh, he signed a very very nice deal with the New York Giants. You know they brought him in to be that wide receiver one on the roster. The problem is it is a very crowded roster. With we brought it up a guy that 
I just am not confident in. Daniel Jones is not a quarterback that I am very confident in. His rookie year, he showed some promise. He came in his second year. That's supposed to be that progression year. And he moved up one spot in the QB. You know what I'm saying? He he went from QB 25 to QB 24. Like, that's not something. Hey, that's progress, man. Yeah, that's (laughs) progress. But nothing that I'm trying to bank on. Okay. So, here's my... Here's one of my arguments is Daniel Jones in 2020 was the QB 24 with 11 passing TDs. 11. Ouch. How am I supposed to get a viable option, a viable wide receiver two, who's currently going at the end of the fourth, so might be my wide receiver one. How am I supposed to get that when my quarterback's only throwing 11 TDs but throwing 10 interceptions? Okay. Yes, he did have 24 TDs in his rookie season. I understand that. But his second year, that got cut in half. Supposed to be better. Exactly. Now, Kenny Galladay's best receiving work came in 2019 when he had 116 targets, 65 receptions, 1,190 yards, and 11 TDs. So that means Daniel Jones would have had to throw all 11 TDs to Kenny Galladay last year in order for him to be the wide receiver nine that year. Okay, so yes, he was a wide receiver. The next year where he went for another 1,000 yards, had 119 targets, which was in 2018, played 15 games, had 70 catches, 1,063 uh, receiving yards, and five TDs. Dropped him all the way down to wide receiver 21. All right. He's currently at ECR 21. Okay. I don't see this man being a wide receiver too. I I just can't see it. There's way too many people in this offense. There's way too much to go around that Daniel Jones, I can't support it. Kenny Galladay is one of the best contested deep ball guys out there. Daniel Jones is one of the worst deep ball throwers in the league. It does not match up. Now, unless Daniel Jones comes out and shows huge progression this year, I don't like it. I think they're going to utilize Kadarius Toney. I think with Saquon Barkley coming back, I I think with even Sterling Shepard's still there. Like Evan Ingram's not going away. You know, Evan Ingram's still one of the most targeted tight ends in the league, but never produces anything. So it's just I don't see Kenny Galladay coming in here and being this viable wide receiver two, but if you're even if, if you're waiting later in the draft, he's your wide receiver one. Like I don't see him being that. I you know I I just think that it's about to be a very disappointing year, and I'd be comfortable taking him, you know maybe a little bit later, but as of right now, man, he is currently going, you know. In the middle of that fifth round, but right around a Robert Woods, who's now tied to Matthew Stafford in, in Sean McVay's offense, I would want him. Tyler Lockett, I mean, he's okay. He's not the best, uh, you know, but he gives you those splash weeks, maybe a best ball type deal for that. And then you got guys that like CeeDee Lamb or Adam Thielen or DJ Moore. These guys are all going in the fifth round. Even Jamar Chase, I would take a chance on this rookie tied to Joe Burrow with a horrible defense in Cincinnati that they're just going to throw all over the place. Like I would rather take my chances on that guy instead of Kenny Galladay. Yeah, man. Um, 
you know, you, you you talk about all those weapons and you you know people still forget that they still signed John Ross. Yeah, Kyle Rudolph, <laughs> that guy too. <laughs> like those are guys that came in expecting to get targets. Like Kyle Rudolph is no slouch at tight end. So Kenny Galladay is probably not going to get the red zone work that we want him to because they have Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. They have all these weapons. So it's very hard for me to see how he gets to a wide receiver too, right? Like he, I feel like I agree. He's going to have a down. I feel like he's going to have a down year, and I would fade him too. Now. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to go out and say it. He's going to be a bust. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there right now. He will bust in 2021. I just, I agree with everything you said. His quarterback is, his quarterback situation is rough. He definitely took a downgrade. Even though if he would have stayed, he still would have had a downgrade. Oh, for sure. In Detroit. But he can't lie. He's going from Matthew Stafford to. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to Daniel Jones. Like. It's not going to be good. You said it. The, the the key to this whole thing is Kenny Galladay's strength is Daniel Jones' weakness. And that deep, that deep ball contested catch ability that he has paired with one of the worst deep ball throwers in the league. It's just tough. It's tough for me to see it. And I, I completely agree. There's, I feel like there's too many mouths to feed. They got a ton of running backs. They got a ton of receivers. They got, a ton of, they got Kelvin Benjamin playing tight end like, it's it's crazy, man. It's it. I, I I agree. I don't think that Kenny Galladay is a guy that I will have on many fantasy teams in 2021. I can confidently say that I will not have any Kenny Galladay in any of my teams. I don't have any in Dynasty either, which is <laughs> yes, feels pretty good for so, sure. All right, so my last guy, and you actually said his name not too long ago. My last guy is Tyler Lockett. Okay, now Tyler Lockett is the current uh, ECR. Wide receiver 24, going 58th overall. Listen to this right here, right? So everybody remembers the 52-point game he had last year in PPR scoring, right? 56.3% of his games were outside the wide receiver 4 range. So more than half of the time, he hurt your team. 13.5 points per game in 2020. That's tough, especially out of a guy who you're going to take in the top two to three rounds to only get you 13 points. I mean, come on. You don't win. You're not winning your weekly matchup with 13 points a week. That's a testament to Now, obviously, he had those big blow-up games, right? Three games in 2020. Week three, week six, and week 17 accounted for 35% of his target share. 35%. He scored eight touchdowns in those games. So he had three games where he had massive Target totals and touchdown totals. The rest of the the rest of the season, he was a total bust for your team. He was the he is Mr. Inconsistent as far as fantasy wide receivers. I am completely fading him. Completely fading him. Now, you can't really say he's a bust because he can still finish pretty high in terms of end of season rankings. He can still finish in the top twenty four at the wide receiver position because of those splash games that he could have but i'm not drafting this guy i'm not touching him there's no way that i'm gonna put him in my starting roster and and wonder if he's gonna blow up this week i just can't do it especially if he has to be my wide receiver two or three like if i you're not confident right like for sure you you know he's a guy that i would like to have as a flex right you throw him as a flex maybe my fourth receiver i'd feel confident i feel okay with putting him in there but if i had to rely on him as my two or my three, I'm you know I'm nervous. 
I'm nervous the whole week. I mean, he's going 58th overall. Yeah. 58th overall. So you're saying that if I start the draft with, you know, three running backs, a quarterback, and then two receivers, you know, he's my wide receiver too, and I, I can't do that to my t- to myself. I can't put that stress on my life, you know. I got two kids, bro. I can't <laughs> I can't add any more stress, man. So yeah. I will not be taking Tyler Lockett in 2021. As a solid wide receiver three, I, I think he's very good. I think he's going to be a very good best ball. Oh, he's guy. probably the best best ball <laughs> he's receiver. A, yes, of all he's time. a very good best ball guy. I don't think that he is going to, you know, he's like you said, he's not going to be that guy you can confidently be like, yes, he is in my my, you know, he's in my lineup like yeah. confidently. The only thing is, he is tied to a very good quarterback. That you know that does give him a boost. Uh, so I, I just I don't know. Uh, but they also just brought in a bigger. I don't. I wouldn't say a bigger, but a, a better receiving tight end as oh, yeah. well. Gerald Everett. Is, Gerald Everett. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like he, they brought in that addition, and I think that's going to take away some of those red zone targets and you know possession targets, whatever it is. Like DK Metcalf is just getting better. Like, yeah. So you know, those are just arguments taken away from. Oh, Gerald uh, Everett will absolutely eat into yes. the twenty target games. Hundred percent. The potential for those games for Tyler Lockett. They didn't have a solid tight end last year. I mean, they had Greg Olson. They had Hollister. They had Jacob Hollister. They had Will Disley. Everett's going to be more involved in this passing game than people want to believe. The new offensive coordinator comes from the Shanahan, the sorry, the Sean McVay offense. So I think that and he was he was the passing game coordinator for Sean McVay. I think this offense is going to open up a little bit more, even though the Seattle Seahawks said they want to run the ball a lot more. I still think they're going to throw a little bit more than the, than they did last year. I think Pete Carroll will kind of come to his senses a little bit about that. But adding weapons to this team, adding Dwayne Eskridge, adding Gerald Everett, DK Metcalf coming into his own. And the fact that they, you know, at Pete Carroll's heart, he's going to r- want to run the ball more. Will he do it? I say no, but still. I think it's going to be gonna, balanced. Yeah, I don't think gonna it's going to be the, the whole run the, heavy The volume thing. of this passing offense is still not going to be somewhere where you can rely on multiple pass catchers for the team, even though he has Russell Wilson. Yeah. So, you know, Tyler Lockett is a complete fade for me, man. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Because of where his current ADP is, man, I, I just don't like it. Absolutely. This has been fun, man. It has. This was uh... the 2021 Champs Blacklist. Six players that we want no part of. We'll go through the list again. Justin's fades, uh, Miles Sanders, Noah Fant, and Kenny Galladay. Mine, Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, and Tyler Lockett. Those are the six guys that we are staying away from in 2021. Well, let's lock up this uh, episode, bud. Yeah, man. Take it out. Let's get out of here, man. Uh, once again, just a reminder, just follow us on Twitter at Pigskin underscore Jay Gonzo. You can follow myself, Pigskin underscore D-Rock. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pigskin Champs and on Facebook at Pigskin Champs Pod. All right, guys. That will be it for us today. We appreciate you all listening. Thank you guys for all the support and continuing along with us on this journey. We hope y'all have a great one, a safe one, and we will see y'all next week. See ya. See ya.